Okay, it's statutory rape is basically, well, all rapes really are now statutory. Where it came from is when rape was still a common law offence, and uh, a specific offence was uh, drafted to deal with uh, adults having sexual intercourse or uh, intimate relationship with uh, children. Um, and that was then a statutory act. Uh, but now um, the, uh, uh, all sexual offences are being regulated through statute. Um, but the, the legislation is still the same, well, basically the same in terms of heterosexual relationships. Um, all relationships are regarded as the same. And, uh, yeah, a person is not allowed to have a relationship with a person under the age of 16 years, unless, of course, it's also a person that's under 16 years. Then it's not, then it's an offense. Offensive defense, it's not an offense. Or, or then the, the age limit between the two people less than two years if one of them are over the age of 16 or 16 and over. So that is basically what statutory rape is. It's basically a consensual intercourse with someone that's under the age of 16. So but just over. to be clear, someone who is under the age of 16 cannot consent to a sexual well, relationship. They can consent. Um, they cannot legally, yeah, they, they can consent, um, but they cannot legally consent. But, the, uh, uh, I mean, between the ages of 12 and 16, if they base, both are between the ages of 12 and 16, then it's not an offense. But if it's an adult, as you have explained earlier, um, with a child, then it is an offense in terms of the Sexual Offences Act 32 of 2007. Lisa? Yes, I mean, the law takes the position that if you're under 12, you lack the mental capacity to understand what you're consenting to. So generally speaking, if you're under 12, there is never a defense on consent. Between 12 and 16, the law understands that you have mental capacity, you understand what you're consenting to, but you're not allowed to. So although you understand, you may not. So in some ways, it's a very difficult thing to understand how they can accept the girl saying I consented because by law you're not allowed to consent even though you may understand what you are consenting to. I mean I think this can be quite a grey area of law for people as Karina was explaining if you're between the ages of about 12 to 15 or if you're 15 and your partner is 17 there's still the two-year protection so you wouldn't be prosecuted but the minute you have a 14-year-old with an 18-year-old or a 15-year-old with a 19-year-old or 18-year-old then you are opening yourself up for prosecution in terms of having sex with somebody who is underage. So let's just get that clear. So whilst uh, the person is considered a minor, mm-hmm. there's a two-year gap is what you're saying. That, 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 that Only if you're over 16. If the two are both 13 or they're both 14 or they're 14 and 15 or 13 and 15, there wouldn't be a prosecution because they're between that window of 12 and 15. Mm. The minute you have one partner, one party who is 17... So, uh, more than who's over 16 and the age gap is more than two years. So if you have a 17-year-old and a 12-year-old, that you would prosecute because there you can see there's, there's an age gap of about um, five years. So that's what the law has done to try and protect those between 12 to, f- 12 to 15 because it understands that, you know, at that age it's quite normal to sexually experiment. What you don't want is young adults and older adults deliberately preying on much younger children who don't really 
who are in a position to be taken advantage of and to not really understand. Well, they would understand what they're doing, but they can be taken advantage of and exploited in a range of different ways by somebody who is older and has more experience. And I guess that is exactly what we are talking about um, Mm. in reality here. It's not about, you know, a consensual sex between two minors. Mm -mm. It is more about older people Mm. taking advantage, adults taking Mm. advantage of children, of minors in this instance. Now, is there a statute of limitations, um, Karina, when it comes to statutory rape? Yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, prescribed after 20 years. 20 years. So no. anywhere within that period, people can still go and lay a charge if they were sexually violated by someone. Indeed. Indeed. Because uh, this also, you know, is Mm. something that uh, people are confused about. Mm. They feel that, you know, uh, because they hadn't reported it at the time when it happened, um, that, you know, time has elapsed and and therefore nothing can be done about it. In theory, as Karina said, you can do something about it. I think what would happen in practice is typically you'd have somebody look at the case and say, what are the reasonable chances or prospects of success? And if they think there aren't great prospects of success, then the prosecution doesn't always go ahead. Um, and that can, you know, that can often be a case that they'll say, well, too much time has elapsed. What evidence do you have? Especially if the other person compl- uh, is going to claim that you consented. Mm. That's the easiest defense of all. But that's not to say that cases where there has been a long lapse aren't successful. There was, a, there was a case, for instance, this was a clear rape. She was 14 years old. She went to a friend's party, and there were a couple of older boys of about 16, 17, and two of them raped her. She told someone the next day, but never reported it. And later, when she was 38, 14 years later, she happened to go to a friend's, to a daughter of a friend, and realized that the father was actually one of these boys. And it was at that point that she went and laid charges. And those boys were actually successfully prosecuted, even though it was 14 years later, there was no medical evidence. But the fact that she told someone the day after, and she'd been such a compelling witness, meant that both at high court level and Supreme Court level, they upheld the guilty verdict. So it is possible when you have a very clear cut, when you have rape. When it's a a situation of, say, somebody was... um, third, Yeah... It, it can get a lot more complicated where you have where you perhaps didn't tell anybody else at the time. Unfortunately, the law is a very blunt instrument, so I don't think it always adapts terribly well for some of the subtleties and nuances of why I didn't report at the time, what I understood was I didn't understand, what was difficult for me. There, it sometimes grapples, especially if you have somebody else saying, "Oh, it was consensual, and now you're just wanting to get me into trouble, or you're looking for money, or something like mm. that." And and, and, and and there are, you know, quite a few of these areas, as you said earlier, mm. some gray areas when it comes to this. Um, uh, just recently, the whole uproar mm. around our perfect wedding where the groom um, admitted that he actually used to prey on 14-year-old girls mm. when he was around 28 years old and ultimately ended up marrying uh, one of his victims, mm. as it were. Uh, what happens in that sort of case? Because the mother... She was clearly, you know, upset about this relationship, but um, didn't for some reason. And and I guess this is where the education comes in. She didn't at the time think that she could go and lay a charge against him. Rather, they tried to find other solutions, um, you know, within the family, uh, within the um, uh, social setup to solve this problem. So just talk to us about your views on that one there, Lisa. That is a very difficult one to deal with because you have 
somebody who clearly at that age was not going to cooperate with with with, with prosecuting. So I think that and and Karina can speak a little bit. I think of, of the sorts of decisions that prosecutors or things that prosecutors take into account when they make their decisions. But I think the degree of cooperation that's going to come from your main complainant is obviously something that's very key. 